This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll Hannah and Mendel had been struggling for many years. They were struggling financially, and they had several children that were ready to get married. And while Mendel was pacing around the house, asking his wife, Hannah, what are we going to do? How are we going to deal with this problem? She says, Mendel, please go to the Baal Shem Tov. Tell him about our difficult circumstances and ask him for a bracha, ask him for a blessing. And Mendel thinks to himself, you know what? You're right, Hannah. I'm going to go to the Baal Shem Tov. And when he was finally standing before the Holy Rebbe, he tells the Baal Shem Tov about his poverty and the children that he wants to marry off. He says, Rebbe, please give us your blessing. Help us pull out of this difficult time. And the Baal Shem Tov closes his eyes for a second. And he says, Mendel, I want you to go to a bridge in a certain town. And he mentions the name of the town. And go under the bridge on the riverbank and dig in this particular spot. And I promise you, you're going to find your fortune. And Mendel lost no time. He thanked the Baal Shem Tov, left him a little pidyon, a little bit of tzedaka, and without even going back home, made his way to that town, to that bridge, and to the riverside. He didn't bring with him a shovel or a pick or anything. He's looking around for the place to dig, trying to test the ground with his foot. And then he hears a familiar voice shout out to him, Hey Mendel, what are you doing here? Mendel looks up, and who does he see? Chaim the tailor. His old friend Chaim, standing on the edge of the bridge, shouting to Mendel, Mendel, what are you doing here? The two of them had been dear friends from their childhood, and they both went different ways and moved to different towns. Mendel says to Chaim, I'll tell you exactly what I'm doing here. You heard of the Baal Shem Tov? And Chaim said, yes, of course, everybody knows who the Baal Shem Tov is. So Mendel said, well, I was in front of the Baal Shem Tov, and I asked for a bracha to get out of my financial difficulties and to marry off my children. And he tells me to come to this bridge and dig in the spot that I'm looking for right now. He said, if I dug here, I'd find a fortune. And Chaim says to Mendel, you know, Mendel, I wouldn't give that much stock. Mendel says, what are you talking about? It's the Baal Shem Tov. And Chaim says, well, listen, I just had a dream last week. I was sitting at my work table in the tailor shop when an old man comes to me in the dream. And he tells me to go to the town that you live in, Mendel, and to go to your house and to dig under your stove. And there I'm going to find a buried treasure. I wanted to ask the old man in the dream, how am I supposed to go into a stranger's home and start digging under his stove? But the old man disappeared and I woke up from the dream. So the tailor said, you know, I wouldn't give the Baal Shem Tov's advice so much stock because I also had a dream about your house. And Chaim had hoped to continue the conversation with Mendel. But when he looked, Mendel was gone. Mendel had taken off. He forgot all about digging under the bridge and ran home as fast as he could. What crazy Ashkachapatit, divine intervention, that there he is under the bridge, and his old friend Chaim says to Mendel, go dig under your own stove, and you'll find a fortune. So Mendel comes home, and Mendel's wife Hannah says, no, Mendel, how did it go? He says, we'll see tomorrow morning. Bezat Hashem. And when the family went to sleep, Mendel slowly moved the oven. Started digging. 
and it didn't take him long until he struck a hard object. And when he cleared away the dirt, he found a treasure chest filled with gold and silver coins. He gathered the coins and hid them in a wall, and then covered up the hole that he made, and gently put the stove over the hole. And for a few days, Mendel just walked around, not telling anyone, not spending any of the money, just being so grateful that Hashem had sent them this incredible gift. All this time, there was a fortune sitting under the stove in his house. And Mendel would never have found it if it weren't for the Baal Shem Tov. His wife Hannah started saying to Mendel, No, Mendel, what's going on with the Baal Shem Tov's bracha? And he says, Hannah, I think we're about to be very blessed. And slowly, he started buying clothes for his children. You know, in those days, sometimes people would wear clothes for tens of years. They would get dirty and torn. They'd sew them back together. It wasn't like today. Clothes were very expensive. They were all handmade. Not everybody had the proper winter clothing, especially in a place like Ukraine. Slowly, Mendel's children had warm coats and new shoes, and there was fruit and meat in Mendel's house. And no one could understand how Mendel, who was always so poor, could possibly afford such luxuries. But as the months went by, Mendel's conscience started bothering him. He said, here I am, living a comfortable life when I really owe my good fortune to the advice that I received from my old friend Chaim the tailor. I mean, if he hadn't told me about his dream, I wouldn't have found the treasure under my stove. And so Mendel decided he's going to take 10% of the money that he has and give it to Chaim. And he packs it in a sack and starts walking on his way to where Mendel lives. And about halfway on the journey, he hears a familiar voice saying to him, Hey, Mendel, what are you doing here? Mendel says, Chaim. What are you doing here? And Mendel says, I was on my way to meet you, Chaim. And Chaim says, I was on my way to meet you, and I was about to take a different route, but I took the wrong road, and somehow I ended up here. They both couldn't believe what an incredible coincidence it was. And so the two of them found a shady tree and dropped their knapsacks on the ground and sat and rested a little bit. And Chaim the tailor starts to tell Mendel, let me tell you the strangest thing that happened to me since we last met. You know when you were under the bridge and he told you about my silly dream and then I saw you take off and run away so quickly. So I said to myself, you know what? Maybe the Baal Shem Tov is right. Maybe there is a treasure buried here under the bridge and what, I'm just going to leave it there? So I went to where you were standing and I took a little shovel and I started digging and it didn't take me long before I found the treasure chest and it was full of gold and silver coins and I didn't tell anyone about it. I just hid them in the house. But then slowly, I started using the money to help my family, my wife and children, to make some improvements in my house, my tailor shop. And here, a few months have passed, and I'm saying to myself, you know, I really owe my good fortune to my old friend Mendel, who told me that the treasure was buried right here. And wasn't it really Mendel's treasure? And here I am using it for myself. So I decided to pack up 10% of it and bring it to you. And here you are, just the person that I'm looking for. What an amazing coincidence. Mendel was so overwhelmed with emotion that he couldn't answer. He just sat there silently as Chaim went on and on, saying how amazing it was that he found the money, that he's coming to look for Mendel. And finally, Chaim stopped talking and he says, Mendel, are you angry at me? Why are you not speaking? Do you feel like you deserve more money? I'll give you half the money. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have just given you 10%. You really deserve 50%. I'll go home and get it. Please, if it wasn't for you, I never would have found this fortune. But still, Mendel was quiet, and Chaim didn't understand. He says, Mendel, what's wrong? Why aren't you saying anything? 
And Mendel says, you think that me being quiet is because I'm angry? I'm not angry. I'm silent for another reason entirely. Now you listen to me, Chaim. You talked about Ashkechapotit, divine providence. It's so clear to me now that every person has their mazel. Every person has their fortune, and no one can take the fortune of someone else. Everything is run by Hashem, the master of the universe. He said, let me tell you, I came to your hometown in search of a treasure under that bridge. But that treasure was not for me. That treasure was meant for you. And I followed your dream and went back home and moved my stove and dug underneath it. And I found a great treasure in my own house, under my very own stove. Is this not a miracle? And now comes the miracle within a miracle. Just like you came to the decision that I deserve 10% of your treasure because I showed you where it was. So I also concluded that you deserve 10% of my treasure because you told me where it was. And here we are halfway between our hometowns with our sacks of money. Look at how wondrous and marvelous are the ways of heaven. And the tailor says, Gewalt, Mendel, it's unbelievable what just happened to us. But now here we're sitting with all this money, and you don't need it, and I don't need it. So what are we supposed to do with it? Clearly the money is for a special purpose, but what is it for? And then Chaim says to Mendel, don't you have a daughter of marriageable age? And Mendel says, yes, that's one of the reasons that I went to the Baal Shem Tov, to ask for a bracha to marry off my daughter. Chaim says, listen, Mendel, I have a son who wants to get married, and I'm looking for a good match for him. And I've known you my whole life, and now you and I are both wealthy men. Why don't we marry our children to each other? And this money will be their dowry. It'll start them off in life. Mendel says, that's a great idea. Mazel tov. But, Chaim, I can't agree to the Shidduch unless first we go to the Baal Shem Tov and tell him what happened. And Chaim the tailor immediately agreed. And within a short amount of time, the two future Chutanim were standing in front of the Baal Shem Tov and Mejibuz. And as soon as they walked into the Baal Shem Tov's room, without the two men saying anything, Baal Shem Tov's face lit up and he said, Mazel Tov, this is truly a match made in heaven. Hashem has opened up his heavenly treasure house and blessed you both, Mendel and Chaim. Now what you have to do is use that wealth only for good by helping the poor and needy and supporting Torah scholars and worthy institutions that do chesed and gemirut chasadim, acts of kindness and helping their fellow Jews. And if you do that, and you understand that the money is essentially a heavenly scent, security deposit that you are keeping for Hashem, then I promise you, you will continue to be blessed in your families as well. So the two men were very happy. They had big smiles on their faces. And they were amazed that the Baal Shem Tov knew exactly what was going on without any of them saying a single word. They could barely speak. The Baal Shem Tov smiled a little bit. And he says to them, All right, each of you tell me your story. I know you want to say what happened. So Mendel said, Look, I went to the bridge. Chaim said, I told him I had the dream. Mendel said, I found the treasure under my stove. Chaim said, I went back to the bridge and I found the treasure there. And the two of us met in the middle and we agreed to marry our children off to one another. And wow, how things turned around so quickly. So the Baal Shem Tov says, Listen, Mendel. You're going to go to this particular town and you're going to find an orphan girl who's about to get married. This is her name. You go and you pay for her wedding and you do it before your own children's wedding. He says, Chaim, you're going to go to an orphan boy in this town and this is his name. And you're going to pay for his wedding before your children get married. And so the two new wealthy men went exactly where the Baal Shem Tov told them. They found the orphans 
and they gave them a wedding even more grand than their own children's weddings. And they set them up in life. They bought them a home and bought them animals so they would be able to eat and make a living. Bought them everything they needed for their homes. And then the week after those weddings, their own children were married. And both Chaim and Mendel always kept in mind the message that they heard from the Baal Shem Tov. They regarded their wealth as money that was deposited from Hashem with them to be spent to help poor Jews and Torah scholars. And both Chaim and Mendel lived the rest of their lives supporting the Jewish communities and always giving credit to Hashem and the Baal Shem Tov for their fortunes. And this is a well-known story, my sweetest friends. And Rabbi Yehoshua of Kaminka, the Kaminka Rebbe, he would say that this story has special properties for guaranteeing Parnassa, for guaranteeing having a livelihood. And he would tell this story all the time on Moti Shabbos. And one time, after retelling it time and time again at the Malava Malka meals, he said, and this should be the last word. And then he would break into Shir HaMa'alot, the psalm that we say before we say Birkat HaMazon, before we bless Hashem for the bread that we ate. May you and I and all of us be blessed with Parnassah in abundance and remember to use it for the good of the Jewish people and to help our fellow Jews. And with that blessing, we'll all be blessed back. One more short story for you. There was a chassid who was terribly ill. Chas v'shalom. God forbid we shouldn't know from these things. And he'd been to dozens of doctors and all kinds of experts, and nobody was able to help him. Until finally he came to Reb Mordechai of Neshchiz, looking for a bracha and an eitzah, a blessing and advice. And the Rebbe says to him, Oh, you're sick. You need to go to the professor in the town of Hanapoli, and he'll cure you. Ah, the sick chassid was so happy, he finally got advice as to who can heal him. And you know, in those days, there was no train going to the backwoods in the Ukraine to Hanapoli. So, knowing that if he didn't get help, he might die, chas shalom, he decided to hire a wagon driver to drive him the long journey through the mud roads of Ukraine. Until finally he arrived in Hanapoli, very weak and sick. And he says to the townspeople there, Where is your professor? Where does he live? And they said, Professor? In Hanapoli? Are you joking? There's no professor here. But the chassid knew that the Rebbe doesn't make mistakes. If he told him to come there, then there's a professor. So he said, Okay, no professor. Where's your doctor? Where does your doctor live? And they said, We've never had a doctor in this town. Everyone looked at one another and they said, We never had a doctor here. A doctor living in this town? Are you joking? So he said, well, at least you have a nurse or somebody that can treat people here. But even that they didn't have in that town. And the chassid was dumbfounded. He didn't understand what was going on. How could the great tzaddik of Nishis have told him to come there when there was no one there? 
There was no professor, there was no doctor, there wasn't even a nurse, there was no one. He didn't understand, and he felt like he had wasted his time, and he had so little energy, and it was so hard to get there, and it cost so much money. And he went all the way back to Reb Mordechai, and he says to the Rebbe that in the whole town of Hanapoli, there's no professor, there's no doctor, there's no nurse, there's no nothing. So Reb Mordechai, he says to the Sikh Chassid, well, tell me, my good man, what do the people in Hanapoli do if, God forbid, one of them becomes sick? The Chassid says, do? What can they do? They don't have anyone there to help them. I suppose they have no choice but just to trust in Hashem and ask Him to be merciful and heal them from heaven. And Reb Mordechai says, yes, that's it. That's the professor of Hanapoli that I sent you to. He's the one who helps all of the townspeople of Hanapoli. And if he helps them, then surely he can help you too. And so the Chassid got the message. He was trying to find help from doctors and nurses and professors. And all along, he forgot to trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He forgot to trust in Hashem. And if the Rebbe had said to him, My sweetest friend, just trust in Hashem, it wouldn't have been enough for him. He had to make the whole journey, as hard as it was, only to come back to realize that in a town where there's no doctor, and there's no nurse, and there's no professor. The only one that could heal everyone there is Hashem himself. And so as soon as the chassid left the Rebbe's room, he already felt his health returning to him. And after some time, he had been completely healed. And people would come to him all the time. And they would say, how did you have such a miraculous recovery? Which doctor did you go to? Which professor did you go to? And he would tell them, I went to the professor of Hanapoli, who heals all the people of that town. And he can heal you as well. Should all be healthy and wealthy. Be'ezrat Hashem. Always besimcha and always in a joyous way. Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends. I want you to know that I see all of your messages. And for the sweet people that met me on the streets of Jerusalem during the Chagim, thank you so much for saying hi to me and taking some pictures with me. 
And for all the children listening, wherever you are, whether in the land of Israel, Chutzlaritz, wherever you are, should know, children, that when I tell the stories, I have you in mind, and I have everyone that listens in mind. And I sit here in my office by myself. I don't know who's listening, unless you write to me, or meet me, or contact me in some way. But I do know you're listening, and I'm always thinking about you, my sweetest friends. And I'm always davening for you. Bezrat Hashem. We should merit to see revealed good in all of our lives, the lives of everyone we meet. L'chaim, my sweetest friends. L'chaim. L'chaim.